Whoa. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. It's whoa. It's whoa. It's a pleasure to be here, to be back. We it's been a long time since we recorded, because we recorded the last one early, so it's been like a week and a half or something, which always throws off my perception of time and space. Yeah. The show is an anchor for me and and my sense of time yeah so yeah very much off. i went to the beach last week as i mentioned uh i went swimming for the first time all summer and managed to get an ear infection <laughs> which was cool oh no this is my my first time getting an ear infection since i was like an infant <laughs> which is that's been fun so uh you know just putting drops in my ears taking antibiotics lying down on one side of the bed a lot uh you know it's been, <laughs> it's been a good time doing the crossword puzzle so continuing to do the new york times crossword puzzle um, I saw if that's your game of the year. It I'm is my gonna, game of the year. I'm going to leave the show <laughs> on ceremonies. So. I heard uh, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I heard uh, Waypoint also did a segment about the New York Times crossword puzzle recently, uh, apparently, because so it's worth mentioning. It's worth going into the, the background of that. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, old school Idle Thumbs fan is a podcast I used to listen to uh, for a long time. And one of the co-host of that show chris remo after, after they stopped doing the show and whatever you know just kind of like went silent because they they all work at valve now on various projects and uh chris remo popped back up again and started a youtube channel where he does the crossword every day which was kind of my like oh should i try the crossword puzzle and uh now i'm now i'm hooked on it so big shout out to chris remo for doing that it's fun anyway yeah doing that a lot and uh honestly i've it's weird because usually when we take this much time off like i play a lot of stuff or sure, I play one yeah. thing like really intensely. And in this, this is one of those situations where I've played a lot of stuff, but I played a little bit of a lot of stuff. And a lot of it is kind of based off the fact that Nintendo had an indie world direct that just kind of like popped up and happened really quick uh, last week, which had some cool stuff in it. I mean, so, yeah. some things that we were expecting, like Loop Hero is coming to Switch, which I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm so interested in how that game is going to work with buttons. Like, I know you could use a touchscreen, whatever, probably, hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed, you can use a touchscreen on the Switch. <laughs> um, but I have no idea how that game is going to work with buttons. That's going to be fascinating. I think I will probably get it again, to be totally honest. Um, that's that's an interesting one. There are like some cool shadow drops like Axiom Verge 2 came out and stuff. And one of the things I picked up was Garden Story, which was also kind of a shadow drop. And I have played so little of that that I don't even know what to say about it, really. Outside of it is not the game I thought it was going to be. I thought it was more of a Stardew Valley with like more of a focus on combat. And it seems to be more of a Zelda. Oh, cool. Which I'm like into, but also hot off the heels of chicory and in the middle of playing skyward sword like playing another zelda adjacent game is like okay maybe i should pump the brakes a bit um but <laughs> yeah. i've heard i've heard people like it a lot so like I'll, I'll get back to it that's cool but there are some other things that have been kind of pulling my attention away um one of them which i, I think you said you have um i don't know if you've played it or not is islanders oh yeah i got it on steam like a few months ago randomly and like Played it half awake, so I thought it was a dream I had. It feels very dreamlike, but it's like that's like the very Zen town builder kind of kind thing, of right? yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting because like it's it was pitched as almost exactly that as like a really kind of like low key you know town building sim situation, and it seems to be the more I play it, more of like a puzzle game. I should say right up front, this game is like really cheap, which was why it was like a kind of no brainer pickup because I just like the art. Yeah. I like the idea of like having a really like relaxing kind of, uh, I don't know, keep your brain active a little bit uh, right before bed game. Uh, it's like it's a really good like play the switch in bed before you go to sleep game. But I, I think it was like five bucks 
on, on yeah. the eShop, which was like a no brainer for me. But essentially the way it works is you have a little island and they continue to throw buildings at you and you need to find ways to fit the buildings in the limited amount of space that you have on these islands. And all the buildings have different synergies with one another. Essentially, you're getting points. Every building you put down gets points. And it's like a high score chase game, which I was not expecting at all. I thought it was going to be just like build a little island and see how it runs, you know, kind of like a city skylines, but on a smaller scale. But it's very much like an arcade game in a weird way. Yeah, there's like a flow to it, which is interesting because like it's not like a SimCity type game where it's like you need to connect the power lines to the right, you know, right. firehouse. Yeah. There's, there's no worry. It's just like, oh, you made a building. How about three? How about a Ferris wheel? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the worst, like the fail state of this game is you can't build any more buildings because you run out of space or something. And then you just find out what your score is and it's higher or lower than you expected. And like, that's, that's how the game ends, which like. And then you move on to a new island, right? Yeah. So every building you put down as you accumulate points, it fills up a meter on the left. Uh, and when that meter is full, you then move on to another island uh, right. and you start again. And each island, I guess, technically gets more difficult and has a higher point value that you need to to move on to the next island. So the idea is if you can continue to optimize your islands one after the other, you're kind of working your way up this ladder where the game is getting harder and harder, but you're getting more points and you're, again, a high score chase. It's interesting. It's a really interesting thing. It, it almost feels like a like a toy in, in a good way. It does, yeah. I, I've been playing it like way more than I thought I would because it, it just... I got that in Garden Story at the same time and I started Islanders kind of like on a whim. I was like, let me just check this one out first because it seems like smaller and seems like something I can kind of like tool around with. And then I ended up playing it for like three hours straight. Yeah, it's it has that kind of trance like yeah. vibe to it. Yeah. yeah, the time just kind of slips away while you're playing it. So I'm very into that. There's actually I also picked it up because there's another uh, sim game coming out for Switch, which I'm like amazed by. But there's a game that I really wanted to play called 100 Days, the winemaking simulator. Um, oh, my God. Is the full name of it. And I read a really great review of it i forget where it actually also might have been waypoint shout out to waypoint this week but uh anyway i read a really good review of it um and then went to go pick it up on steam and it turns out it was like only for pc i think so i just assumed like maybe one day it'll get a mac port was not expecting ever that it would get a switch port um but that's coming out quote unquote this winter uh so i don't know islanders is kind of like a hold me over until 100 days comes out because that seems uh, like <laughs> extremely my shit um, where's the wine where is yeah. the wine um some other stuff that came out boyfriend dungeon dropped which i haven't played yet mm. it's apparently on game pass also so i'll probably play it there um probably on xcloud i've been playing a lot of stuff on xcloud recently and uh the, i think the two kind of the bigger ones uh are tetris effect is coming to switch finally which i still haven't played that for some reason it's also on game pass i haven't played it i'm like a huge tetris fan i don't know why i haven't played tetris effect yet and the other one which i'm excited for you is bomb rush Cyberfunk, which is that like jet set radio oh yeah adjacent yeah. thing is coming uh quote unquote 2022 no idea like when but i mean that game just looks fucking good um, oh, Eastward is Absolutely. the other one um, that I think looks nice. Oh, yeah. When is that coming out? Is that in September? Uh, yes, September 16th. Wow, that's next month. Yeah, that's, that's There's a lot of cool stuff. One month there. from today. Yeah, I keep forgetting it's August. Me too. Time flies when you're expecting a winemaking simulator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, yeah. I mean, I... Um, I've mostly been playing Mass Effect, to be honest. You know, I, I as as longtime listeners know, when the Legendary Edition came out, I like completely inhaled one and two and then took a long break because we got sidetracked with like a lot of other things, the Game Boy Advance episode and, and just, you know, life in general. Yeah. And I also kind of needed a break. 
but I'm back to three. I finished Trickery, which was beautiful. I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I adore that game. I'll probably talk about it again in some capacity. I'm sure it will come up for us. But yeah, I finished Trickery. I've been playing Mass Effect, and I've been playing a few more things that we'll talk about later this episode. But um, yeah, that's basically it for me. Yeah, outside of the outside of the indie world stuff, I, I the, the two bigger things I've been playing, I guess, um, outside of also Mass Effect, which we'll talk about later, uh, is is this one game that I saw a bunch of people recommend in the Discord that I was interested in uh, and now am like totally in love with, which is uh, called SNKRX which is a roguelike snake game. Um, so you... <laughs> Sorry, I know you mean. I just love the way that's said. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard... I see a lot of people describing it as auto chess also. It's like an auto battler. And like, I don't... I mean, I, I get where that's coming from. I, the way that I would really describe it is imagine snake and you're playing snake like you would normally. It's, it's on iOS uh, and I think also Android. You're just pressing the left and right sides of the screen to turn left and right. It's like perfect for mobile. I mean, it just it controls so well. And the way it works is there are a bunch of enemies who show up on the screen and your snake is shooting those enemies automatically. And you're just kind of like controlling the snake to keep it out of harm's way, essentially, but also keep it close enough to the enemies that you're able to shoot them down. Um, And every level that you clear, you get to add another bit onto your snake. So kind of like original snake, every time you pick up uh, the little like dot, it adds that dot to the length of your snake. The way this works is as you clear an arena, you get to add on to your snake, but it pulls from a random list of units that all have like different abilities and different kind of like buffs and debuffs for different other characters. So you can kind of build out your snake with a whole bunch of units that, you know, synergize or sometimes don't synergize. Or if you get multiple of the same unit, it kind of makes that unit stronger, et cetera, et cetera. And you have, I think, a limited capacity. I think it's seven. I think you can have up to seven units in your snake at any given time. And it is fucking good. It is really good. (laughs) I picked it up thinking, again, kind of like Islanders, it would be like a fun thing to just kind of like try out. And maybe I'd mention on the show or whatever, but I beat that thing multiple times. Uh, It's like really all I did for a couple of days, uh, which just play uh, SNKRX in like every free moment I had uh, while I was like away and doing stuff. It's really cool. So the way it works is when you beat the game, which isn't like super hard to beat it the first time, uh, you're given two paths. One of them is uh, like like a difficulty mode. So it just like spikes the difficulty up. And then I think another one is you can just continue playing. So you have to get through 25 levels. You can then continue through another 25 levels with the exact same characters that you have. But it just adds another uh, slot onto your unit list. So you can like add an eighth unit to your snake. Or you could do New Game Plus, which starts you from the beginning. All the enemies are a little bit harder. And you also get that eighth unit if you want. Which uh, every time you beat the game, you get to add another unit onto the snake and it just gets like wilder and wilder and wilder. It's really fucking good. I think it's like three bucks. I like can't recommend it enough. It is such it is such a go to for me now. Like there are some games that I like permanently have on my phone forever. Sure. You know, it's like this uh, is now one of them. Hold Down is another one of them. Um, Domino Drop is another one. I mean, there are just like a couple games that I am just like always going back to. And uh, this one is really, really good. 
Uh, I like it a lot. It's not on Apple Arcade, which I feel like I, I don't know why it's weird for me to recommend a game that's not on Apple Arcade. But um, if you do have Apple Arcade and you do want a recommendation, another one I can recommend. Uh, actually, two real quick. Monster Hunter Stories Plus is out. You can go play the first Monster Hunter Stories on Apple Arcade, which is wild. Very good. And uh, Super Stickman Golf 3 is a game that I really loved when it first came out uh, back in the day. It's like it is the least like golf golf game. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Apple Arcade is also the home of what the golf. So maybe that's, say, maybe that's yeah. saying a lot. Um, but anyway, I guess it's more it's more like golf than what the golf is. Uh, <laughs> but essentially just involves you like doing a kind of like arcadey 2D side scrolling golf adventure. Uh, where you have like a bunch of weird power ups and stuff and and you're uh, trying to unlock a bunch more power ups and whatever. Uh, It's very fun. It's very good. Also has some great multiplayer if you can get a bunch of people who have it. I remember playing that game a lot, a lot when it first dropped. So uh, happy to see that on Apple Arcade as well. That's awesome. But honestly, Steven, that's really what I've been playing outside of the other stuff we're talking about today. I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about that stuff outside of like, I just like it and I would recommend most of it. Uh, I'm excited (laughs) to play more Garden Story. I want to see what that game is all about, because I'll be honest, we kept seeing that game at at Indie Directs and I like wasn't really sold on it. But it was another situation where like the discord was so stoked about it that I was like, I'll check it out. Like I wanted to get something from the indie world. That was kind of my thought. Mm -hmm. And uh, Garden Story seemed like the one. Honestly, I thought it was going to be Axiom Verge 2. I'm not I didn't really like the first one that much, which I it's kind of a bummer, I think. But uh, I just played through the first one like recently and it was like, eh, I, I, I liked it enough. It was like a pretty like competent Metroidvania. But at, by the time it was done, especially considering I played it around when you and I had just played through Zero Mission and Fusion. I was oh, like, oh, yeah, it's tough to compare. Yeah. yeah. So I, did, I didn't end up picking up Axiom Verge 2. I would be very interested in how people feel about it, though. So if you if you're playing that game and you like it a lot, let me know. Because I'm not against checking it out. Oh, you know what else is coming out? Necrobarista is coming out for Switch. As oh, well, yeah, yeah. Which you and I that like. was an Apple Arcade game, right? It was, yeah. Which makes yeah. me think, and we're going to talk about it later, but it makes me think that eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, Fantasian can drop on other platforms eventually. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I remember uh, you said you played Axiom Verge right after you played uh, a couple of Metroid games. Like I played Necrobarista right when we were in the thick of 13 Sentinels. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. I've only heard good things, but I just like having another visual novel in the midst of like plot twist heaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. was a lot. Oh, it's also worth mentioning that the day this episode comes out, there's going to be Pokemon Direct, which like hot on the heels of you and I talking about Pokemon <sighs> a lot last week. Yeah. Uh, very interested because they're, they're showing <laughs> off Legends uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. They're showing off uh, the, the remakes of Diamond and Pearl and they're showing off Legends. And uh, I think that's all they announced. And that's very interesting because honestly, I, yeah. think, I think that that first trailer for that game was like. It was cool and it was good, but I I wonder if it really showed everything, you know, Um, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this one is a little bit more of a deep dive into what it's actually going to be like to play it outside of just like a tone piece kind of trailer, you know, right, which was what the first trailer was like. And I feel like the first trailer also looked a little bit like it looked a little unfinished in some ways. Like, I I imagine that's like very much alpha footage of some things. Yeah, we'll see. I was just so blown away that they like did something that wasn't, you know, again, (laughs) we mentioned last episode X and Y changed my life because you can move diagonally that's where the bar is so the fact that you know yeah. it's like oh shit i can run around and do anything but uh, i'm also really curious about the remakes because i think the big unknown there is like how faithful is it 
MCU Diamond and Pearl, or are they incorporating all the Sword and Shield quality of life stuff? Which is honestly what I hope for. I hope yeah. that they like they keep all that stuff there because I, I don't really want to go back to like TMs being a one time thing. I just keep thinking like, of course that's what they're going to talk about on Wednesday. But like, you'll know, dear listener, when you listen to this episode if this is true or not. But like, that feels like what I would focus on if I wanted to sell people on the Diamond and Pearl remakes. The kinds of people who would tune into this event are the kinds of people who would want to know that stuff. You know. <laughs> Here's how we reset the IVs for Bidoof. Uh, so normally there's a .003 chance of him having the second best special defense in the game. It's like, yeah, that's what I want. Teach me that, <laughs> professor. So yeah, that will happen. It's a shame. It is a it is a gosh darn shame that it is not coming before we record this episode. Because I look forward to nothing more than Pokemon news yeah. for this show. Yeah. It's really like... It's a high point. Uh, it's a limit break. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's just, it's just great, especially for a slower time. Cause like we're kind of in, again, we're not beholden to a new release schedule, but like a little bit of a dip just because like we are going to talk about Mass Effect briefly, but like that's the bonus for this month. We're not going to like do a deep dive on it until the bonus. So like, because it's been my main game right now, it's like, you know, not much going on. So I could really go for some Pokemon news, but alas, <laughs> not meant to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's kind of it for me. Uh, if you want to take a break, we can come back. That sounds lovely. We'll be back with uh, a little bit of a Mass Effect check-in. Brendan just finished two, and uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. All right. Goodbye. See you soon. Hello and welcome back. We're here to talk about Mass Effect Revelation, Mass Effect Ascension, and Mass Effect Retribution, the three best-selling novels based on the best-selling video games in the Mass Effect <laughs> I actually just oh, learned that they right now as we were taking a break. Oh, man. You just, you have no idea what you just did to me. Now I have to ex- consume all the extended universe Mass Effect content and know it. That's that's my new brand. The, the universe they've built is interesting enough that I, I I'm oh absolutely I'm curious what's in those books. I don't know if I'm curious enough to read them, but I'm definitely curious enough to read like some stuff on the internet and maybe a wiki. You know, <laughs> I will probably get one of the books. Am I going to watch the movie starring James? No, but I'm going to read one of the books. Anyway, James. you just finished to also just a heads up. There will be no spoilers in this. Really? We're not going to go into detail of the oh, plot yeah. or anything yeah, not at all. We're going to save all that for the bonus, but the idea of bringing it to the table this week was like you had just finished two for the first time uh, and like just sort of wanted to talk about the experience so far of like not only two, but just like playing through the trilogy for the first time, like having, you know, your shepherd go through each game because like obviously that's the selling point of the series. But I think until you do it yourself, it's like hard to really know yeah. how special that feeling is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a good way of framing it, because like. I we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday because I called you like the minute I was done with two uh, mm-hmm. and we talked for a while about it. But like the experience of finishing two, having played through the first one is like on a completely different level because because my recommendation used to be and I think you you mentioned this yesterday when we were talking about it. But like my recommendation used to be just start with two because like that's the one that everybody likes the most. And if you like it enough, then you move on to three. But one for the longest time has been the, like the one that you kind of bail on because, you know, mechanically it just wasn't there. And there were you know, a couple things here and there that people just like didn't really uh like that much and now with the legendary edition like there my recommendation has completely shifted i think a just because the legendary edition like fixes all the problems with mass effect one um and kind of reveals like a great video game in that thing but the the experience of having played two 
with all of the knowledge and all of the progress and all of the decisions and choices and your shepherd from Mass Effect 1 is this emotional experience that I I don't think I was really prepared for. Like I knew it would be cool. Like I knew it always seemed like a cool thing that you could bring your character over from one to the other. I didn't expect it to like really fuck me up emotionally in ways uh, yeah. that, that I like just I didn't have my seatbelt fastened, you know, I think for the experience <laughs> of Mass Effect 2. So the first time I played Mass Effect 2, was like years and years ago. It's when I had the only time in my life I've had a gaming PC and I I tried playing it and I got about halfway in and I liked it so much that I was like, I should play one first so I can carry my shepherd over. And then I stopped right there because I had heard that one was bad so that I didn't play it. And then three came out and people didn't like three when it first came out, you know, uh, People, you know, forum people, essentially, like people online, people, I guess everywhere. But, you know, it just seemed like, OK, well, I guess I just won't go back to this because there, there doesn't seem to be anything <laughs> here for me because like it's too late for me to go back to two because it's been so long. Like I'm not going to be able to pick up where I left off. Like I don't, I don't know if that's going to work for me. I'm not going to go play one because there are some issues with it. And apparently there's a car that sucks and I'm not going to play three because <laughs> the ending's bad. And it makes the whole thing not worth it. So then I just like put two down forever. And now having finished it, like now having Having finished two, having played through one, and I'm now, you know, like four or five hours into Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 2 is actually one of the best games ever made. It's like one of my favorite pieces of media ever. Yes. And and I think a lot of that really does have to do with the fact that it's all packaged in this one collection. I think being part of yeah, the Legendary totally. Edition really does make what is already great about two even better, just because it's so seamless to bring everything over from one to the other. That's the big thing about legendary edition that i think like the fact you know they make changes to one and that's cool and everything but really all that was needed was like just put everything in one place all three games all dlc because like i mentioned this before it's like the opposite of star wars like every few months george lucas will be like this time darth vader says stinky when he uh falls down the (laughs) stairs you know it's like there's always a new version like there has never been a way to actually experience the whole trilogy seamlessly. Right. Because like when three first came out, you had <laughs> peak evil EA. You had to make what is it? Unity. What is their like uh, steam called? Oh, man. Um, origin. Origin. You had to make an origin account to play three. Right. And you had to play the multiplayer to get one of the endings. Like there was <laughs> a bunch of weird shit. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I want to, uh, Brendan, I am bursting at the seams. I want to save a lot of this. I want to ferment a lot of this for the bonus episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. later this month. But uh, it really, like, mechanically, there was just not a way to do it in a way that felt good. So, like, I'm so glad you had this experience. I mean, I've been vocal about my love for the trilogy and especially for two. And I'm just so glad you're, you're here with us today yeah i've been patient brendan i want to i want to lay it on you a little bit i've been ever since we started this show i knew that one day we were destined to do a mass effect episode (laughs) and i'm just glad that that time is is swiftly approaching yeah. So I can I can reveal my final form to all of you. We ha- we have this tendency to like, you know, work for months on episodes every yeah. once in a while. Like there's always yeah. something in the back pocket that we're kind of cooking. And like this is the one at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's so I mean, the reason that that first segment was like so. I don't know, just like little tapas of games is like all I really have been doing is playing Mass Effect. Like yeah. I binged like almost all of Mass Effect 2 in about three days. Like I I crammed like so much of that game into the past couple of days and now I'm playing Mass Effect 3. And, and even with that, 
experience. Like I, I did that willingly and it was great like that. I, I did that because I wanted to. I spent like all my time doing that uh, when, whenever I had free time available. And it was so worth it. And I guess like my my thousand foot view of this at the moment is like whatever you've heard that's bad about one is not bad if you start with one. I think that's the thing that like I, I just kind of want to drive home. Like if you have any interest in playing Mass Effect and you probably should pick up the Legendary Edition and play one because you won't know what's not good about it until you start playing two. And by that point, you're done with one, which was a great video game. Yeah, I don't I don't really think there's anyone that thinks one is a bad game, but like it aged really poorly because it was in this sort of weird mechanically yeah. because it was in this weird middle ground between like kind of being like KOTOR controls, but also trying to be a shooter. Yeah. And then like into they're like, OK, we're just going to be a shooter with RPG elements, which like, you know, I, I know some people who like kind of prefer the RPG centric system of one, but like in execution, it's rough. And really what the legendary edition fixes is just like making it a little smoother. Like you're still playing Mass Effect one. It's not like a night and day experience, but yeah. it's like an afternoon to morning experience. Yeah. I, know, think, like, I think I mentioned this though, when yeah. I started Mass Effect two, the last time we brought this up, but like going from Mass Effect one to two mechanically is like a holy shit moment. Yeah, Just absolutely. because yeah. There, there's such a clear sense of what they want that game to play like when you start two and retroactively, it may be think like wow i really do wish that one felt like this but i again am so grateful that i played through one exactly the way i did like i think i said this back then and i'll say it again but like playing mass effect 2 is your reward for playing mass effect 1 but mass effect 1 is still one of the best games that you'll ever play that's the thing i think like you know this this trilogy is essentially i mean two of them are over a decade old and three is almost a decade old which is uh making me feel old but um these games have been around for a while and honestly I was almost there was a part of me that was dreading the legendary edition coming out because I'm like I I hadn't played them in like at least five years and I just sort of assumed that it wasn't going to hold up because I think that like the reason I think it's easy to write off the like your shepherd's decisions will carry over is like that was such a 2012 zeitgeist you know with like right telltale making like a, a foundation on that system but it like not always being truly the case like a lot of games that attempt this kind of give you the illusion that what you're deciding matters and like to be completely fair there are a lot of choices in mass effect that may not amount to what you like hope they will like yeah it's not 100% successful, but like it's pretty much unmatched. That experience of like being a singular character, just like just in the vibe of it, just like seeing the character that you created and that you're inhabiting going from game to game, that alone is very magical. And then the, the, the decisions that do really pay off. And the relationships you've like made over the course of three games, like there's really very few games that that match that feeling. I would say like Persona comes the closest just because it's like hundreds of hours. It feels like three games. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like Persona 5 is the length of the whole Mass Effect trilogy. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, you know, that idea of like really getting to know the cast is there. But but again, it's like going from game to game. It's such an ambitious idea that really has been kind of dropped. Like there's not really a lot of people that like want to try that again, which like yeah. based on how it was received at the time, I, I understand because like you didn't even have to know what Mass Effect was to like hear echoes of complaints about the ending in 2012. Right. You know, like that yeah. was it was inescapable, which, you know, we'll talk about that more on the bonus. I think it's inherently tied to just like the history of this game unfortunately but yeah what i've what i've realized is like well we can like say that two is is the 
standout of the trilogy. Like every game excels at something and the experience of, of just having it be a seamless adventure is wonderful which really just like makes me like 100% recommend like the legendary edition is the way to play it you know if you really want to see how the originals felt especially one because one is the most changed they're on game pass i believe or at least they're on ea play which is part of game pass yeah so like i think i think it's good that the originals still exist but i think that this is the way to play it especially because for three there's a lot of really good DLC that people just bailed on because it was like a year or two after the game came out and they mm-hmm. just felt kind of burnt by it. Yeah. I uh, I played the Citadel DLC for the first time, which I will not talk about yet, which is torturing me, but it was <laughs> a beautiful experience. I'm just, I'm so happy you're experiencing this for the first time and that my memory of it was like, you know, again, there's always stuff to criticize and there's, there's stuff that hasn't aged well, but like the heart of the trilogy and the trilogy itself is still such like a, a landmark in the medium itself it's a beautiful experience yeah it's it's really really spectacular i mean i I even texted you about this this morning but like without getting into it the main narrative thread of two is like building your crew out so like you have your ship the normandy and you're just like filling all the rooms with all the different people that you like want to take with you on this like big mission that you're going to go on and mass effect 3 starts with you on the normandy again but nobody's there and and i guess i'm gonna i I don't know yet but i imagine i'm gonna have to go like fill those rooms again uh uh, maybe with the people from two, maybe not, depending on how things go. But the process of running around the Normandy in Mass Effect three and going into those rooms and not seeing people who I expected to see in those rooms like was a was an emotional gut punch. Yeah, I didn't realize how connected I was to those characters until that moment. I mean, yesterday I spent texting the, the last mission of Mass Effect two is like harrowing. And I, I texted you literally every step of the way um, yeah. because it was like it was like too much for me to bear. I was like standing I up was- behind. I was pacing my apartment in silence awaiting your (laughs) messages just so you know then I went for a run because I needed to do something (laughs) it's probably what I should have done honestly yeah it's it's a lot it's it's a lot a lot and and it what's fascinating is like you could go in Mass Effect 1 and you could you could not pick up a lot of those characters too which is so funny like you could yeah you go in Mass Effect 1 and just be like I actually (laughs) want to work alone I'm a I'm a I'm a lone wolf and then just like have a very boring Mass Effect 2 and 3 but it they they wrote all that in okay we're getting i feel like it's getting too in the weeds i will say one last thing just to kind of harp on why legendary edition is great and and why this like magic act of of creating your own shepherd and carrying them through the games is like really spectacular i had a moment uh yesterday towards the end of mass effect 2 or it might have been two days ago where i went through this mission and i stopped and i was like man commander shepherd is such a fucking good character like i can't believe like they just did like they knocked it out of the park with commander shepherd and then i remembered that other people have different commander shepherds who look different and have and have completely different styles and are played completely differently than mine and that was kind of a holy shit moment was like i am so in sync i'm so one-to-one with Shepard at this point. I understand why people talk about my Shepard. Like it's always referred to as like they're always referred to as my Shepard. And I I so understand that now because for me playing through the games I'm just like yeah that that just is who Commander Shepard is and it is absurd to me to think that there's a different way that that character (laughs) could act out any of the scenes that I've interacted with uh, because they've just accounted for everything like they've really they really pulled off I think one of the wildest balancing acts you could have ever, ever like attempted in a video game. I mean, th- this this balance between like authored content and and player agency is like yeah. 
it's it's second to none. And I'll, I'll as you mentioned earlier, I'll be amazed if anyone tries it again. And if they do, it'll always be compared to this. Uh, and that's yeah. that's a high bar to try and clear. I, I think I think the thing is like Mass Effect one and three, you know, are, are kind of up in the I think most people agree that two is the best one. Mass Effect one and three, I think, will flip flop depending on your own personal preferences. But yeah. it's just like talking about Zelda games where like Skyward Sword is maybe the worst Zelda game, according to some people. But it's still a Zelda game. And that makes it better than most video games. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. Mass Effect is still on such a high pedestal for me. Like even even with everything in three, I, I think that like the highs of it are still unmatched. Even like I love Dragon Age as well. I think um, I haven't played Dragon Age two, but Origins and Inquisition are great. And that trilogy kind of attempts a similar thing where you're not the same character but you can upload like the state of the world to match your decisions. Yeah. Which is really cool. But I feel like, I feel like there isn't like origins dragon age two from what I know and inquisition from what I played several times is like, they're all very different like vibes. Like they don't even feel like the same series sometimes yeah. other than shared elements narratively. Speaking of the, the balancing act between authored content and like your own role playing, I've recommended this before, but I think a really good companion piece, if you've already played Mass Effect, the Game Maker's Toolkit video essay on Mass Effect, it's called Commanding Shepard. Yeah. And it's kind of about like the the pros and cons of making a character that is that halfway point and like how hard it is to pull off and, and what is rewarding about it. Uh, really, really cool essay. And even having played the trilogy many times, I learned like new things about each of the games, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't watched yet because i've heard that it's spoilery at least the video starts by mentioning like they're going to spoil one two and three so it's yeah. like literally at the top of my list i have like uh, i have a list as with most <laughs> bonus episodes we do i have a list of media i want to consume when i'm done playing the games um yeah. and that's at the top of my list right now of like things i want to check out as soon as i'm done with three but yeah i think uh i think that's probably where i'll leave it because i want to save a lot more of my thoughts for the bonus we're going to be joined by uh tomorrow hussein which will be a lot of fun and we'll go like super into it maybe we'll be the least chill episode we've ever created at least on my end <laughs> but i'm very excited we'll probably do like listener questions as well so keep an eye out for that like closer to the episode yeah that'll be recorded at the end of the month and should be out by the end of august maybe early september if it takes a while yeah but yeah i i cannot wait i'm really fighting back here just to like keep talking about it but i think <laughs> it reminds me of the portland India sketch where there's like a group of people talking and like they're like no spoilers no spoilers and then I think Fred Armisen is like all I'm gonna say is wasn't it cool the way that went down <laughs> like, I feel like that's what we're approaching right yes, now <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need I need to stop myself too isn't it cool when Garrus did the thing <laughs> it's always cool when Garrus does anything yes but yeah keep an eye out for the Mass Effect bonus I'm really excited to make it I think it's gonna be a great one I have yeah. a good feeling about it cool uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is available on multiple platforms. You can go pick it up, and I highly recommend doing that. Can I just say, really nice box art. If I had to, if I have to say like one fundamental flaw of the trilogy, <laughs> the box art is just terrible. Yeah. Like Mass Effect One, I think I didn't get it because the box art was so bad. Like yeah. it looks like a book that would just be in like a lake house that you're visiting. You know, like like someone rented a <laughs> house and like there's just books there. It's like, yeah, what is this? Yeah, like your your cousin who loves the worst sci-fi imaginable. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Uh, like, you know, exactly right. Uh, <laughs> two was okay, and then three was like just Commander Shepard, like, with, you know, very like Call of Duty looking. But the Legendary Edition's got I'm really that cousin. Nice. Sorry, I just realized as that was <laughs> happening, because I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of cousins, and I was just thinking through, like, do I have that cousin? Was I po 
pulling that from experience. If you're my cousin and you're listening to this, you can you probably know it's me, too. I am absolutely that cousin as well. I also have a lot of cousins and I feel like (laughs) every cousin of mine will learn something they didn't want to know whenever we have to see each other. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know everything about Worf. God damn it. Oh, shit. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, let's take a break. (laughs) Okay, see you soon. I'm that cousin. Goodbye. Oh, shit. Steven, we're back. Hi. Yesterday, I got all these ingredients to make a dinner thinking that I had a thing of tomato sauce and then I didn't have the tomato. I was already I had garlic in the olive oil. I was I was adding garlic to the olive oil and I was like reaching in to get the sauce and discovered that there was no sauce. And I was like, what do I do? This garlic is going to burn. I'm screwed. And Stephen, I saved it somehow. I How made what you do. I had, I did have a thing of tomatoes, uh, grape tomatoes, <laughs> instead. And I turned off the heat on the garlic and the oil, and I instead got a new pan, put the grape tomatoes in there with the oil, and then I waited until uh, they they heated up to the point where they burst and let all the pectin out, and then made a sauce that way. Then took all the garlic that I had like oiled up already and dumped that in there, and then I made this really wonderful sauce. It was kind of like a like that plus a, a vodka sauce kind of vibe. It was very creamy. It was it, it had a lot of heat to it, but it was also light because it was like grape tomatoes. It was great. You're a master chef. You know you are when you can say pectin with full confidence. <laughs> Just watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> it's a sign of even playing too much Mass Effect where my first thought was like you panicking with no sauce and then a renegade uh, cutscene appearing and then like Shepard be like, looks like you need some help and just squirting ketchup in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was my thought. I can help. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. going to be like like ordering Little Caesars or something. but Oh, that's the Paragon. That's the Paragon. The Paragon choice is give Renegades up and order like, Little I got ketchup on me. Let's do it. Um, anyway, anyway, the Fantasian. <laughs> last week, last week, we had a heated debate on what the probability of Fantasian Part 2 coming out soon was based on the confusing Twitter trail. That Miss Walker has gone. Last week was I want more information about Pokemon Legends Arceus and when will Fantasian Part Two come out? And here we are. And we're getting both. We're go- again. This show is the secret. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Part Two is out. I say Part Two with a caveat because let's 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 lay it down, okay? Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, is Part One of what will be, uh, I guess, an episodic release. <laughs> Hypothetically, when you finish that game, they say there's like another part coming. But part one exists as a full game. Uh, Fantasian, which is a Mist Walker's game for Apple Arcade, uh, an RPG that kind of like harkens back to like a Final Fantasy nine era Final Fantasy that's known for um, they took all these drone images of dioramas that are the background art. Well, we did an episode about it like earlier this year when it first came out. We both enjoyed it for what it was worth. Yeah, it was like March or April. Yeah, uh, really early in the year. And um, it's a really interesting game. You know, narratively, it's not good. I'll just say it uh, like it's <laughs> it's fine. It's not. Let me rephrase like what Fantasian is before we get into the new part of it. But I was going to say in terms of like part two, when Fantasian came out in, in March, they released what what was the first like 18 hours of the game. And once you got to that point, they're like, 
that's it for now. Uh, part two coming soon. It's going to be more mission based and it will be sort of like more up to you on how you explore the world because yeah. the first part is very much like a linear Final Fantasy experience. I'll say this much. It was not very clear that the game wasn't done when it came out. Yes. Uh, until yes, you exactly. finished part one, there was kind of no <laughs> indication that it was part one, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Uh, it was uh, only a couple like days after the game had dropped on Apple Arcade that there was this like kind of like round of interviews that was like part two is coming at the end of the year. You know, it was like almost like a PR thing. Yeah. And, and they said part two is going to be, whereas the first part was like 18 hours, roughly part two is 40 to 60 hours is mission based and is all about exploring at your own pace. So kind of an interesting way to, to lead. And I have begun it. I will say that like the beginning of part two, it's literally like you open your save and you just like keep playing. There's no like last time on or like wow. a cutscene that that incites the new event. You're just like really picking up right where I left off, which is kind of bizarre to retrace my steps a bit and say what this game is. Very much a classic JRPG. The dioramas are the background art, essentially, which is really cool. They're really beautiful and they are almost like my take on it is like, it is a purposeful reinvention of what the pre-rendered backgrounds looked like in Final Fantasy like 7 through 10, essentially. Yeah. Because you had the 3D model of the characters walking around. That looks very like PS1, PS2. It, I, li- I like the look of it. Um, and then the dioramas are like very like felty and you can see all the textures and stuff. It's cool. Yeah. It's it's really pretty. I mean, the exteriors are are pretty nice, but it, I think it really shines in interiors. Like when you're in like little toy boxes, uh, those yes. characters look really good and purposeful in those little toy box settings. But I think you're I right. Completely I, agree. I, th- I think I think a good way of putting it is like it is it is the end result of what they wanted to do. In <laughs> it is interesting and probably worth mentioning also that uh, Sakaguchi, who, who's the creator of Final Fantasy and you know et cetera et cetera, uh, and and the the creative lead at um at Mistwalker, uh, has said that this game came from going back and playing four five and six again um and that he really wanted to recapture that style of rpg and and it very much feels that way yeah and and that's kind of what carries the experience at least in part one is like you could tell there was passion behind this project yeah the story is weak but the characters are fun the characters aren't like strong but they're fun in (laughs) like there are a couple robots there's like you know a a wizard a princess like it it, it's tropey in almost a celebratory way of like yeah here's the shit i've done before i just like doing this i'm gonna do it again yeah Uh, if you subscribe to the idea that all characters are some version of a trope this is a game that like loves that this is a game that like agrees with you and loves that about media and storytelling. I, I think where I draw the line is this game is trying to do what Lost Odyssey did with like there are moments where there will be like a mood music and like a visual novel of text and they're yeah. just not good. They're like not good. every yeah. now and then there's like a passable one, but it's really just because your bar has been so lowered from the first few that if it's not terrible, you're like, oh, that's OK. <laughs> um, like we're not usually this blunt on the show, but like it's worth addressing. Like it's a game I like and would recommend, but that is something you got to get through. It will be like, I went into the forest and saw the girl of my dreams. It's like, ew. No, I I just went through one that I was texting you about as I was going through it. So I I, I guess I should mention I'm not at part two yet. I'm almost done with part one. I'm like really pretty much at the end. Um, But I I went through one bit like yesterday or two days ago. That was like supposed to be this huge plot reveal that just landed like a sack of dog shit on my front (laughs) porch. It was just like 
the least exciting way you could reveal a huge bit of information. Like maybe the only time that it, there could have been a twist in the story. And I was like, this is how you're choosing to do it. Ugh. I mentioned this before, but there's a point where the main character like is being ex- like the main plot is being explained to him near the end of part one. And he goes, oh, my God, I don't care. I just want to go explore and like get into fights. Dude, <laughs> Which- <laughs> honestly, maybe that's that's like the the philosophy that the player should have. There, there's a there's yeah, a character yeah. towards the beginning of Tenet who's a scientist who explains to the protagonist like how the time travel mechanic and Tenet works. And at the end of it, she goes, don't try to explain it. Just feel it. And I was like, yeah. oh, th- thanks, Chris Nolan. That is how I'm going to watch this movie. What this game really excels at, and we mentioned this in our first episode about it, but it, it was built with touch controls in mind and the battles are really fun. There are so many abilities that require you to think about like what direction an attack can go in. Some attacks can bend. Some attacks go in a straight line. You have to think about enemy positioning. The The UI is really great. Like, I love the menus. Like, it's all very clean. The character design is fun. Like it's really like it's a fun time. And it's also like very much a good like before bed you know, play on your phone or iPad kind of game. That's how I've been playing it. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the first part. Like I, it was honestly like one of my favorite games this year, despite everything we just criticized. Like I just liked the vibe of it a lot. Cause I'm, I'm a huge final fantasy fan, you know? And like, even though the story, I think those, those visual novel moments are so weak because they're taking it very seriously where the rest of the game is not. You know, the rest of the game, like the stars of the experience are the two robots who are just sort of like having fun. And like, that's (laughs) that's what I want. I just sort of want like a low stakes adventure with these characters. Mm -hmm. So part two being like we're going to be 40, 60 hours mission based is a kind of not exactly what I want. But I was curious about it because what the first part did really well is like the pacing of it is is really good, honestly. Like you get new characters slowly but consistently that it's always changing up how battles work um there's one character who like fights with the boomerang and like is really interesting and and has a lot of abilities but he requires items so like he's like a jack of all trades but you need to like prep to make him really work great so many like Yeah. yeah probably my favorite so many really cool character designs in battle and then at the very end they introduce this idea of a growth map essentially a sphere grid where like you can further customize a character by like leveling up certain things giving them new abilities so like that's really cool you know what starts off like it's a really simple almost like angry birds type fighting where it's like (laughs) this dragging and and doing whatever it becomes so involved it's also one of the modern turn-based combat games that shows the turn order which is actually very important so like i really dug it i really liked you know and and the part one ended in a way where i'm like okay like it's at least going somewhere weird that Mm -hmm. i'm interested in (laughs) this this isn't really a spoiler but i just want to tell you how part two began for me okay because you, you open up the game it's updated it's like get ready for a 40 to 60 hour mission based exploration adventure cool i'm in one so you're given like a few missions right away so it's like what they're really going for is a world of ruin final fantasy 6 experience where Mm. like yeah you get an airship uh after a low point in the story and you go around the world finding all your friends um very much hearkening back to that like directly although the world isn't really like in a state of ruin but you know stakes have risen and you've lost touch with like most of the party. One of the first locations in the first part is like this really interesting cruise ship that's like in the desert. It's a yes. really cool diorama. So you go back to that ship to reclaim it. It's cool. very excited. I'm like, okay, here it is. Like that's one of the coolest moments in Final Fantasy VI where there's like a kind of gambler Han Solo character who like 
bets his ship to you. Right. It's so fun. So I'm, I was like, okay, if, if they're hearkening back to like that era, I'm so excited to see how this plays out. What happens is our hero thinks about his lost friends and goes like, I'm coming to get you and pulls a lever just like unknown to anyone. And then all the people on the ship are like, that was the wrong lever to pull. Now the whole ship is flooded. And then he like coils up in despair. And then the robots and your other character are like, don't feel bad that you just made like a really dumb decision that like doomed the one chance we have to save everybody. (laughs) And then the robots are like, well, we're waterproof. So I guess we'll go and fix it. And then like, you just do that. Like you just, you just <laughs> the robots to fix the ship. I'm like, this is so bizarre. And like, yeah. I love that. I don't know if it's like on purpose or not, but like, I, I mean, it was supposed to be a funny moment, but I'm just like, is this like becoming a satire of Final Fantasy unknowingly? It kind of seems that way. That's so funny. I really I, love I, that. Yeah, I, I, I had to share I can't that. wait to hit that playing through the end of part one into part two without any break too. Because that I think is going to be a tonal shift that I'm not quite sure ready for it yeah and and honestly i think that if if you were curious about this game and you have apple arcade now's the time to get it because it's all there i actually think having such a long break between part one and two was like not in this game's favor because i've forgotten a lot of it and like it is really hard now in a way that i don't think works for me you know, like there. So I, I shit. what's really nice is that all the available quests are like marked on your map. Sailing the ship around the world map is beautiful. Like the production of it is like stunning. Mm. The music is incredible. Uh, Nobuo Omatsu is the composer and like it's just giving it his all. Like every song in this game is incredible. Yeah. Uh, so the production value is great, which makes it a really good like before bed experience. Just like enjoying just the production of it. And honestly, that's kind of why I liked the, the linearity of the first part is like I just sort of like trudged along and like, you know, it was engaging, but it wasn't like up to me entirely. You know, like yeah. I liked that it was a little bit on the rails. I thought that was a selling point of of part one. And that, yeah. that's kind of why I'm a little bit ambivalent about going into part two at all. I mean, I, I'll check it out, but I'm worried that it might sour me on the entirety of the Fantasian experience. You know, like whereas part one is like maybe not game of the year but like is up there it's in contention you know in 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 those conversations the fact that it was short the fact that it was linear the fact that it was like easy enough that I could recommend it to anybody and that it felt really like an on-ramp to that era that it was hearkening back to. Like, if you liked part one of Fantasian, you, you're now primed to go and play Final Fantasy 4, 5, 6, maybe even 7, 8, 9, 10. Like, that, to me, was kind of the the selling point of Fantasian and the fact that it is now literally four times as long as it was and, as you're saying now, is more difficult, which is, for, to be totally honest, my biggest gripe with every Mistwalker production that I've played so far is that they're just like brutally difficult for no kind yeah, of reason. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And and Fantasian part one so far has been like a pretty easygoing experience. So so to hear the difficulty spikes is actually really disappointing. It's kind of them going back to their old ways in a way. Yeah, maybe. I mean, so in part one, like every boss is engaging because they're teaching you an idea. So it's not necessarily yes. like you had to grind to win. It's you have to understand what the fight is asking you to do. Right. The only time it gets like unbearable is the very last boss of mm. the first part but again it's the last boss so like I, that works um <laughs> here it's the beginning of part two uh, what, what's really nice and to the game's credit is that it's mission based but they will tell you like whenever you show up somewhere even if it's not a mission if you just go somewhere in the world map they'll tell you the recommended level to do that quest so they'll be like mm. you know here you want to be like around this level yeah it's great so i, I love that 
I'm doing a quest that I am above the recommended level for. I, I have found one of my lost friends. They are in a crystal, of course. And uh, <laughs> I have to fight a boss to rescue them. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. This boss took me an hour and a half and I've still not beaten it. Oh uh, it is ridiculous in a way that I think is like frustrating. I, I said I'm done out loud and I, and I shut off my iPad, which wow. like I don't normally do yeah. with my iPad. <laughs> Uh, this boss is like a, uh, a golem. Unless you've just finished a great piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I've read the James Vega novel from Mass Effect <laughs> Extended Universe. I, this, this boss has, has two attacks. One is they seal your magic for four turns. So you can't use any abilities except attack. Cool. Great. Uh, they have another attack that is, uh, like a 2000 damage heavy punch that will break the barrier in one hit. If you put up a barrier, which I did, uh, and then they have another attack that's towards the ends of, towards the end of the fight. They have like a charge attack that just kills everyone in one hit, basically, unless you're like at full health. Uh, so that's going on uh, in addition to four mice named like Holy Squeakers or something. And what they do is they if there's one, even one alive, they call back the other four. And even if you knock them all out, they come back like two come back the next turn. So like, oh my god, I'm I'm trying to fix. I mean, okay, there's a rhythm here where it's like I got to put up barriers. I got to have my character who can use dark magic, which is super effective against all of them, to like do like a right hook to hit them all at once. Mm -hmm. But like the the probability of of the barrier breaking in one hit and then getting sealed, so I can't do that, and having to spend like another couple turns using items to undo that. Like, yeah, I I get what they want me to do, but like it's so relentless that I can't even do it until I like luck out essentially. Which this, like is not enjoyable. Dear listener, if you if you want to see this exact experience in a game that's not Fantasian, <laughs> you can go on our YouTube and watch my uh, now bailed on Let's Play of Lost Odyssey, which is a game that I loved. Like I yeah. was so head over heels smitten by Lost Odyssey. I mean, just an unbelievable world, an unbelievable game, great music, great writing, just like hit all the notes that I always want these kinds of games to hit. And every boss was exactly this experience. Yeah. And and you can watch as I go up against this one that is kind of just like this big bird on top of a mountain that just shows up out of nowhere for no reason and is a boss fight that shouldn't exist. And the save point <laughs> is after you beat the boss. Uh. So if you die, you have to reload your save and climb the mountain again and that took me I think two episodes of the let's play and was immediately followed by another boss that was almost exactly the same vibe uh, that you're describing here, which is like in fear. It's so upsetting, especially because like how nice would it have been for Fantasian to be because Sakaguchi and Uematsu have both said like, maybe this is our last game. Um, yeah. How nice would it have been to have gone out with a game that could introduce you to the rest of the stuff that they've made over the long and storied career? Which is what they were doing up until this yes. boss I discovered. It would have been so nice if Fantasian was like, the last thing we make is your introduction to everything else we've ever made. And you'll love yeah. it all because you love Fantasian. Like, that would have been great. I, I agree. I want to be clear. I am someone who who enjoyed and completed the post-game of Dragon Quest XI. Like, I have in me yes. an appetite for, like, challenge mode, turn-based combat. But, like... This just feel like I, I started laughing. So I'm like, I don't even know what you want me to do. This is so it's like the part of Sekiro where lightning just strikes you as you're yes. swimming. It's like, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. give me something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that 
if you were to play this game without the interruption of waiting for part two, there is someone out there who enjoys the combat enough that this is actually thrilling. And that might have even been me if I hadn't waited like six months mm, to. Mm. And again, I'm happy they took the time they needed to, to put the game out. But honestly, I think it would have been a better move just to like wait until the whole thing was done and release it now as opposed to like part one. And maybe it was like an Apple thing. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But like I do wonder what our conversation about this game would have been like if it had all dropped at once, you know, Yeah. because again, um, a lot of the things that I liked about it are things that they've now thrown out for part two. So it would have been like you and I would have been like, oh, yeah, this game is really great. And then 20 hours in just for some reason gets so fucking brutally hard and throws out everything we liked about it. And I'm going to be honest, like I I'm going to keep trying and I'll report back if there's like if I feel there's a reason to push through. Yeah. But I'm concerned that there isn't. And I'm concerned mm-hmm. that the length is like just like here now that we've taught you everything. Here's like the world in its full form. And like, while I do want to reunite the party, like I, I truly don't care about anything enough to like do that. You know, I need yeah. to care about something to really feel compelled to go through stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it's just that boss again, I'm very early on, so I don't want to like write off the whole second part. I will report back once I'm further in and I still would recommend the game. I think it's like if you have Apple Arcade, it's a must. Uh, I just think that know that it like really picks up steam after you fight the boss that eats poison. After that point, uh, it gets really hard. Yeah. Uh, so that's good to know. I yeah. look, I I, I want to be clear also because I, I just was pretty harsh. Uh, but like I am loving Fantasian part one so far where I'm at in the game, which is like pretty much towards the end. I think I have like like two steps left and then I'm like pretty much done with that and moving on to part two. It's been great. And I've been playing it in like really small bits and pieces over the course of the past couple of months, uh, just kind of like making progress whenever I feel like going back to it. I know a bunch of people who have been playing it as well, who have been talking to um, who are also loving it. Like it's really, really well done. Uh, and even though, as we mentioned, like even like the characters aren't like great, the story is not great, but the game as a package is really wonderful and you're yes, going to have a good time playing it, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. regardless of, you know, your experience with with this genre. Like it's it's a great on ramp um, and you'll have a good time. But it, it is disappointing for me as a person who's been playing a lot of Mistwalker stuff because I, I just find that studio really interesting yeah, to, totally. to, to know that it just kind of like falls back into the thing that I always find disappointing about their games. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I'll report back. I do want to at least save this character and see where it goes. And like, you know, I, I think what my main interest in is like, OK, right now I only have the growth map for Leo, the protagonist. Right. But I want to see like what happens when every character has that and you have like that level of customization that's really engaging and that's enough for me to like treat this game like another game i've been playing which is similar in this regard (laughs) which is bravely default 2 i'm so excited Um, to talk about this (laughs) you know i felt brendan last week we talked about the forgotten city and i was like that was a great story i need to play two games with horrible stories just to balance (laughs) out the universe Give me crap, I said to whoever's listening. Okay, so I should take it back. You got me this game as a gift, and thank you for that. Yeah, you just called it crap, so that's that's cool. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I gave I gave it to you partially as a joke and partially because I thought that what what is about to happen on this podcast is kind of exactly what I hoped for when I gave it to you as a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you brought up Bravely Default two again early this year. Like this is sort of the stuff that was coming out earlier in the year. Yeah, Bravely Default is. Uh, 
I feel like kind of like along the sort of like square B team of games. So there's like Octopath Traveler. Yes, and, very much. You know, uh, Bravely Default. Bravely Default 1 was a 3DS exclusive that I had such a conflicted opinion on because I loved the presentation of it and the combat was really innovative. And I think I think Octopath is worth pointing out here because that is a game that has like a non-existent story. But the atmosphere and the combat were so good that we like really loved it. Yeah. And that's kind of what Fantasian is is doing. That's sort of what Bravely Default 2 is doing. So anyway, Bravely Default 1, I remember I played when we worked for a video game website. Yeah. I had to review it and I eventually was like, you don't you don't want me to review this. I need to I need to like move on. <laughs> like I, you know, I just I feel so frustrated by this. I don't even know like what score to give it really. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just because I knew that I had to give it like 30 hours to really give it a fair opinion because this is how these games are. Yeah. And I just found it to be really frustrating narratively. And uh, eventually the things that were good about it weren't enough to keep me around. So then they made Bravely Second, which I just sort of forgot existed. <laughs> and then there was so much marketing, maybe even as much marketing for Monster Hunter Stories 2 for Bravely Default 2. And you picked it up and you enjoyed it for what it was worth. Like Again, this series is really known for having like a great battle system. Uh, it very much, if Sakaguchi is like harnessing the memory of Final Fantasy VI, uh, Bravely Default is very much all about like three and five, where it's like, here's a classic tale of four heroes and a bunch of different jobs. Yeah. Um, so like you can switch every character's job to do different things. So much customization and uh, hence the title. You got two unique commands, brave and default. Uh, brave will like use a- another action so you can attack twice in a turn at the expense of like going at all next turn. And default defends, but gives you a point to spend so you can brave the next turn without going into the negative. So like that alone is a really cool spin on turn-based combat, which I think is why the first game was at all a success. Yeah. Also, you know, the art style and everything. Yes. Bravely Default 2 has the misfortune of having like, what if you made the Oblivion NPCs into hand puppets in terms of just like levels of Uncanny Valley? Uh, They're going for like a chibi style, but everyone has like very detailed faces, especially the men. They like, it, it just, it's a little off it just feels strange really weird yeah yeah <laughs> it is the it is the hardest hump to get over in this game yeah so i've had this copy staring at me i have my switch library stacked up all yeah. the all the physical games i have stacked up in alphabetical order so bravely default 2 is on the top, <laughs> the top. and I, I see i see this should my paragraph. next gift to you be a copy of animal crossing new horizons that you don't open it just exists to be on top of bravely default 2 i think her name is gloria I, gloria on the cover of the game is kind of giving like a a, a strong look to her right, I guess. Yeah, it's, like it's a, always it's like a side directly eye. at me. Yeah. Being like, when are you going to play this gift that your friend and co-host got? Yeah. I want to be clear. Look, I, d- I don't make a habit of uh, explaining why I got gifts for people in great detail. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, say, I'll say on the show, I, p- I picked up Bravely Default 2 because I didn't think I would like it very much. Um, And I wanted to kind of challenge my own preconception there, because as a person who has said many times on this podcast, before we started doing Into the Aether, I was not a huge RPG person. I am becoming one slowly. You are one at this point. You just binged Mass Effect 2. You played two runs of Fire Emblem Three Houses like you're in. Yeah, it's it's all happening. Yeah. Yeah. Three Houses Summer is still going strong, by the way. Um, (laughs) Hell yeah. Anyway, you know, like I I wasn't before we started doing the show. I, I figured like, okay, this doesn't seem like the kind of game that I would be into normally. I am 
so off put by how much marketing there is for this game so much uh and eventually decided to pick it up anyway just to see if there was some fun to be had and what i found i think was compelling enough to keep me around for a long time it weirdly enough like fantasian is a game that like once every couple of weeks i'll turn on and like that'll be my night actually is like i'll just yeah. push forward a little bit further brotherly fall 2 which means that like in i don't know a year or two i might actually finish it um <laughs> that said because of the nature of the show, because you and I like challenging our own preconceptions about things and knowing the experience that you went through with the first Bravely Default for the site that we used to work for, I thought that it would be an interesting gift to get you Bravely Default too, so you could have the same experience I'm having and probably come away with different conclusions, I would imagine. You, yeah. you, if you liked it at all, would like it for different reasons than I did or maybe the same. But regardless, I was just very interested to hear what your take on it would be. So it was a little bit self-serving of a gift, but uh, I did I did have this like base curiosity to see if because I've, I've heard that two is better than the first one for some people who like the first one. Who I think like it already is. I think okay, it already great. is. Yeah, cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the floor to you in. now. I just wanted to set that up. No, no, no. I'm glad you did. And I, I like having a game in my life that's like, OK, this is going to be just sort of like a, a, you know, a quick play here and there. You know, sort yeah. of like a go to game that's not this sort of like sit down and be immersed in an emotional journey like Mass Effect. Like <laughs> right. I usually have like, yes, what's my like zero chill emotional journey and what's my like I just want to push a few buttons mm-hmm. and, and, yes. and have my brain kind of go into a, a soft breeze, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I was playing uh, Fantasia, which I've been looking forward to for months. And I just felt like, oh, my God, I can't even like this is beyond difficult. You know, I, I've, I've given this. I was playing it before we recorded. And it took me like an hour and a half and then I switched to Bravely Default 2. Uh, what I'll say about Bravely Default 2 is that I have not laughed harder at a game. And again, I know I'm being a little mean this episode, but like we make the show to honor games we love. And our kind of rubric is like, we'll only bring a game to the show if we like it enough to talk about it or if we'll make a good conversation. Yeah. And both these games apply to that. But it's not... Our, our show is not in place of being critical and there's there's so much to talk about here. Anyway, okay. I just think it's fucking amazing that every scene in this game is orchestrated like a puppet show and I don't think it's on purpose. People will just walk in and be like, Hawk, milady, have you seen any jewels? Yeah. And like, is literally that rough (laughs) i i when it first opened that was happening there's one character this reminds me of octopath where there was like one character who speaks like overly shakespearean and no one else does yeah and like he he's like i pray that you are unhurt milady i'm like what is unhurt (laughs) so that's a lot i i I literally said fuck this and i skipped the scene like after like two seconds because there's so much um i also like had a bad headache this morning so i can't hear unhurt right now and like take it seriously Uh skip how many harks can you take in one day (laughs) you meet the protagonist who's <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, I named him Steven, which is my first mistake. I, I do not want to be this guy. I know. I named my Brendan too. And I was yeah. like, oh, and I don't want to like, be associated oh, with this fucking where dude. Where am I? Who are you? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know where the hell I am. Oh, I guess I'm a sailor. Fuck, who am I? I was like, I was like okay, I, I honestly don't mind a hero who has forgotten who they are. But like, you know something. Like, have you been, you know, I know you crash landed at sea, but like, yeah. do you really know nothing? Like, he goes to the innkeeper, he's like, what's a fucking inn? Ah, what is outside? Show me a map. Here's a map of how it is outside. What is the green stuff? It's grass. What is that? I don't know. Think of it like, a, have you eaten a peach? No. You know, the soft fuzz on a peach. I haven't eaten anything. What's food? Who 
who am I? You're Steven. Oh, thank you. Um, wow, that was really loud. <laughs> anyway, you're this character who's really not yelling at all. My impression of him was going to be as chill as he is, but it ended up going so the other way. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think your, your first instinct, he's very much Bill and Ted. You know, he's like. Yeah. <laughs> So you just like go to the beach and you meet Elvis. You know your game is in trouble narratively if the best character is wearing both a trench coat and a fedora. Yeah. But Elvis shows up, thick Scottish Scottish accent, and is like, "Hey, laddie, let me help you out here." And he, you know, he's joined by Adele, who is like a like mercenary woman. Yeah. They're at least something. There's at least like I could describe. I could give an adjective to both characters. You know, they're they're. Again, low bar, but like once they showed up, I was like, okay, like there's, I, I can enjoy the like archetypes here at least. Cause right. like Steven is nothing. Um, <laughs> and then the princess gets kidnapped. Uh, and like I've, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like never again, look, I play a lot of these types of games. I was having a full blown panic attack that I'm like, is this like what I sound like when I like, is this what people think I am or like, (laughs) I know you got it for me as a gift, so maybe you do. But I just was like, this is not representative of what I love about RPGs. But then I got into a fight with some goblins and I had a great time. Like literally as soon as the battle started, it was as if I was hungover and someone handed me like a chorizo omelet and I was like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Pretty much immediately after that, I've just been enjoying it as like, okay, like I might, I will watch a scene if it makes me laugh. I will skip it otherwise. And I just sort of, I like having this story be like kind of missing almost. I almost like just making up my own story instead. Like give me nothing (laughs) so I can just fill in the blanks. And, uh, you know, what's really fun is like, so you have the brave default system. There are like so many jobs to choose from. Like right away, the first boss, you get the ability to switch them to a white mage or like a tank soldier. And like already I'm like, okay, so this game is just going to be that for me. And that's like, that's what it was made for. And that's why people like it. And like, like, you know, again, I have a pretty high tolerance for like a fun, campy story, but like it's just so rough. Like it's just not good at all. And the like the weird doll <laughs> stuff is off putting. Um <laughs> But I'm going to keep playing it. I'm enjoying the combat even like right away. And yeah. and I can see that loop of it being fun. And honestly, if the sense of progression is stronger than Fantasian, I feel like that's the experience I'd prefer from these two games that are like not really, you know, working for me narratively. Like I'd rather just play the game that I can like get in a few fights and, and change up their levels and stuff. I like the production of Fantasian more. Yeah. And honestly, like although they're doing like a really heavy tilt shift thing. With the visuals in Bravely Default yeah. 2 as you're like running around in the overworld. And it almost looks Fantasian adjacent, but like yeah. isn't isn't actual models, you know? I think the character models actually work well from afar. I like this I sort of like yeah. toy. Again, it has this sort of like storybook vibe to it, which like is fun. You know, like I'm not I'm not a I'm not a mean person, despite how this episode makes me sound. But like, I I enjoy I enjoy lighthearted fantasy. So there might be a point where like I start watching the scenes a little more. But um, yeah, it, it's I'll say really this much. as a person who's much further in than you are. I am not watching the scenes really at all. <laughs> I think okay. I think what this game does well that I appreciate, and one of the reasons I thought you might like it as well, is it feels like it solves the problem that Octopath had for me, mm. which is. 
like that game's combat was fun, but the story was so like bad that I just didn't want to hang out. There was like really no reason to move from point A to point B except to just experience more combat. And like I could do that anywhere by grinding. And at least in Bravely Default 2, I am working my way towards unlocking new classes, switching jobs, unlocking new abilities for all these characters. Like it almost I, I mentioned this and I think our first episode about it, but it almost feels like an idle game at times um, yeah, in right. that I am like constantly pushing something up higher. You know, it's like all the things I loved about playing a game like Destiny or something without needing to like log into a server and play Destiny. Um, <laughs> well, the thing about Octopath is like that was our very first episode. Always nostalgic for that. But we both enjoyed the variety of the vignettes in the beginning. Like I enjoyed the just like learning who everyone was. And like yes. every now and then I think there were a couple characters who had like slightly engaging stories. But the idea that they never interacted really. Yeah. And, and when they did, it was like they would be standing on stage like, Hello, Primrose. How are you this evening? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the wheels it. fly off the charm of that game. Yeah. Know, that right. Game. And the sense of progression, like you do eventually get the ability to like unlock different classes and jobs, but it takes so long to get. Whereas like this game seems like they're always rewarding. you. I also found it to be too complex in that game and bravely default too. It's like so cut and dry exactly sure. what you're doing, what you're unlocking, what you're working towards, who is what job at what point. It's great. Yeah. And I think just the ability to skip the scenes entirely is it's, it's working it's for me. Perfect. Yeah, uh, it is. I, I, I've had a very similar experience as you were like every time I load up the game, it's been like three weeks since I last loaded up the game and I have no idea what's going on in the story. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. And then I just like look at which way the arrow is pointing. I'm like, I'm going to run there and then I go do yeah. that thing. Uh, and it's yeah, great. I love the look of the map and, and the town. It has that sort of like uh, like you said, the tilt shift, like it looks hand drawn, but it's 3D. Yeah, uh, really cool. And the music is great. The I music really is really the good. Production of yeah. it. So similar to Fantasia, I do think Fantasia worked for me better narrative. Like I was able to stomach the coriness. I just I thought it was like at least light enough and like. Yeah self-aware enough to be okay whereas this i think is taking itself very seriously <laughs> it really is yeah and which it i honestly like commend it for that sure, in a way yeah. because like hey if you're not gonna take yourself seriously nobody else is gonna nobody's yeah. going to in the first place uh, and it allows people like you and me to just kind of like skip past it if we want um so kind of a best of all worlds thing yeah i do like the art of the characters that's like the 2d art that is in the character models really i think good. it's the same artist who did octopath similar like it looks similar i agree style i almost wish that when the characters were talking it was like just profiles of their 2d art instead of the models i think actually honestly that one change would make me watch the story and probably enjoy it in some yeah. way yeah, I, I think you're right. But I mean, it at the end of the day, it is a game about like collecting a bunch of crystals and like beating a dark lord who also wants the crystals, you know, which again, I don't I feel like sometimes people are, are very quick to point out tropes and stuff like you can tell a good story with that in it, but you, you really got to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're doing four crystals, I mean, you know, well, I think Fantasia, I mean, it, it's a good thing. Both of these games are in the same segment. You're right. Uh, we, yeah. we, we, t- we talked before recording we if, if these two games would be good in a segment together, but I think you're right. Like Fantasia, I think is, is a great example of making a story like that work. Cause like, even though the story isn't really the high point of that game, like it exists to be a, a big like trope fest. Like that's the idea of Fantasia and that story. And all the characters within it like I don't mind that that's what the story is about because they're really just kind of telling the most classic storybook version of one of these kinds of RPGs that Sakaguchi and and friends are known for right like that's right, that's they the created idea. the trope yeah it's it, like 
that that's kind of yeah. yeah i don't know what the like what fantasian as a title like really means but that's kind of always how i've read it is like here is sure. here is the like top level fantasy version of an rpg story we're going to give you everything you want from every kind of game that is you know under this umbrella and it kind of makes good on all of that and bravely default 2 seems to be trying to do a similar thing and does not accomplish most of it like in yeah. context in fantasian like going and collecting crystals and stuff and fighting a dark lord who has this weird ulterior motive at all times and whatever 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 all these like very silly reveals that happen constantly in context are all fine i don't mind them when they happen in yeah. fantasian it's kind of like a, oh that's funny that they're doing this again and then you move on and in bravely default 2 it's like oh my god i'm like pulling my hair out and it gets me to then skip all the cutscenes. right and i think with fantasian like a scene like leo pulling the wrong lever when he's like all pumped up i think kind of speaks to the intention and the awareness you know where it's like you know this the fantasian also does a good job like one of the things that really pulled me through at least in part one was the idea of like always seeing a new setting i think there are also a lot more new settings in in part two so like i will try to push through you know and i'll report back where if i'm farther in like if it is worth doing or not because i would love to see the rest of the game i mean i was interested enough like part one gets weird enough and and i knew the characters enough to like just want to see where it went Mm. even if i wasn't like you know completely like scarlet nexus is a game we did a bonus about that has like a very silly story but a great cast and that's like what pulled me through so you don't have a good cast it's like okay i'm just here for the nice settings i guess yeah but i don't know there's a place for both of these games and i think that they're both really good at uh elements of their intentionality i feel like the intention of fantasian is clearer and the strengths aid that intention more part two we'll see if it pays off but the default two is like you know strange theatrical production that i want to walk out of but i have to like work lights for i guess i'm stuck there (laughs) uh and then i get to have fun in the battles yeah I mean, I'll on my end, both of these games are games that I'm going to continue playing uh, and, yeah, and same. enjoying enough, you know, which like, again, is fine. Like there there's there's room in the world for that kind of experience. Uh, and I'm I'm enjoying both. Um, I will say that, like, as time goes on, I do return to Bravely Default 2 less. I guess like the, the time span between when I load it up gets longer every time. But it does continue to happen every once in a while. I'm like, I am going to have a Bravely Default 2 night. We, we play so many games, even games we like actively love. It takes a while to get through. But yeah. it's like, man, I just went from finishing Chicory and playing Mass Effect to Bravely Default 2. And it is like the train stopping and me flying out the window because like, <laughs> of how abrupt it is. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> I do hope that Fantasian drops on Switch or something at some point. Me too. I would love more people to play. I feel like it doesn't really get enough attention, even with all the caveats. I think it's yeah. a really great game. And I think it's also like another great example of a game built for mobile and tablets that like really pays off like the design of the touch controls really works uh which is cool yeah it's interesting because i i play that game mainly on uh my phone at this point with the touch controls um but i do usually also have the backbone like attached to my phone uh, when when i'm like home and doing stuff uh and i i take the backbone off to play fantasian which is kind of interesting it works really well with the controller i actually know some people who are playing with a controller. Uh, you know who you are, shout out. Hi. Who are playing with a controller and like really, really, really enjoying that experience, which does give me hope that if it drops on something like Switch or PS4 and 5 or whatever, that uh, people will be into it. But I, I'm very surprised at how well it works on phones. Also, if you have a Mac, 
you can play it on your Mac, which is, I think, the wildest way to play it, yeah. where you use a mouse and keyboard. And honestly, I enjoy it a lot. You actually don't even really need the keyboard. You could just use the mouse for pretty much everything. Uh, and it's nice. I can see pointing and clicking working really well, especially when you're moving around the environment. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Anyway, that's Fantasia. It's available on Apple Arcade. Uh, part two available now. It's just an app. You just download Fantasia in the app. Uh, it's not like you have to download parts one and part two. And Bravely Default 2 on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good games. And all the other uh, games I, we talked about are going to be in the show notes. <laughs> I wasn't too harsh. I do enjoy them both, but I, I, th- I think we explained where we stand. I mean, as you mentioned, and as we mentioned in pretty much every episode, we don't bring, <gasps> we don't bring games to the show unless we like them. Uh, with yeah, the exception exactly. of Kingdom Hearts 3, which I think, <laughs> in a certain regard, we both appreciate the fact that that game exists in the form that it does. <laughs> I mean, we, ha- we, we kind of... We, we set ourselves up because we played every game in anticipation of that one coming out. And then we're like, it's here. Bum, ba, da, dum. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I think that's it. I think that's it for the episode, huh? That's all I got, man. Wow. Cool. You want to wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap up. Uh, we have we have some bonus episodes coming soon, which is probably worth mentioning. Um, if you are a member of the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash into the cast, uh, we have an episode that will either be up around now or soon-ish uh, that's about the making of Into the Aether. Uh, we have AJ on, our, our producer, who uh, is joining us for that. And we're going to talk about, you know, just like all the, all the nitty gritty stuff about like where the show came from, how we make it every week, what software and stuff we use, our thought process when we're doing stuff. Um, we actually have some holdover questions from the last patron bonus uh, that we have held on to to answer in that one as well, uh, along with new questions. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a fun one. Um, as we mentioned every week, if back in the Patreon uh, negatively impacts you financially in any way, please don't do it. Don't worry about it. It's totally cool. But if you do back it, you do get those bonus episodes, which our MO so far in terms of those episodes has pretty much been like we don't want it to just be another episode of the show. They kind of like stand alone they're by themselves so you're not like missing out but if you do want more you can get it there um outside of that uh the links to pretty much everything that you would want are on into the cast online so that's twitter that's instagram twitch youtube we have you know big archive of videos on youtube as well um and uh you can also find the link to apple podcasts if you want to go there and write a review if you haven't already uh if you gave us five stars it'd be very cool if you give us four stars honestly still pretty cool five um, is better five is better than four objectively but be honest everybody knows be honest that with your opinion yeah. yeah uh five is uh you know the the th- it's may the fifth month <laughs> are you is, doing a bit on the number five <laughs> yeah i'm doing a tight five steven oh i was born in may so five is better than four <laughs> i do we do need to wrap up huh yeah. um Cool. Anyway, Apple Podcasts, you can go write a review. Thank you to everybody who's done that. Um, we also Thank have an email address we don't talk about very often because the right. the email address is just so long. We'll get a better yeah. one eventually. But that said, if you uh, if you go to into the cast online, the email is there and you can just click on it instead of needing to remember it and write it all down. So that's pretty cool, too. All capitals into the aether podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It's case sensitive. So yeah. make sure caps lock is on. <laughs> Do you have anything else? No, that's it. I'm excited for the Mass Effect bonus. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure like what's on the horizon, but that's also kind of exciting. I like when we don't have anything like directly planned. So yeah. I think I'm like near the end of Mass Effect 3. So once that's done, I'll have a much more open schedule to like check out older games that I haven't played before. Um, you know, so so really like anything's on the table. Yeah, uh, which is exciting. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm excited to see what's next. Cause we yeah, we don't really have a whole lot planned, which is fun. Yeah. Um I will say though that um for maybe the first time ever we asked the listener if they wanted 
uh, a bonus about the Forgotten City, and like a bunch of people said yes. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe that is on the horizon because I I still am very interested in downloading the Skyrim mod and trying that out. Yeah, I don't think we have a bonus plan yet for September. I know Chrono Trigger was like floating around, which I think we will do eventually. Yeah. So September might be Forgotten City. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be fun. Anyway, all that said, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you Sorry to for AJ screaming. for Thank you, AJ. editing this episode and Stephen screaming. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you.